Welcome. Here is Dr. Ruth with today's teaching. Praise the Lord. This is Dr. Ruth. Welcome to today's teaching. I bless you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I am excited you are listening today. We are learning a lot from the Lord out of the book of Deuteronomy. We are almost through with this phenomenal book and Moses' last exposition or teaching to the assembly of the nation of Israel. I hope you have learned a lot thus far. I have learned quite a bit. So we continue here today. I will cover chapters 27 and 28 in this session. Let's begin with chapter 27 out of the book of Deuteronomy. What is the gist of this chapter? In this chapter, Moses will pronounce blessings and curses as a way to remind the Israelites that they have the free will to receive God's blessings and they have the free will to allow curses to come upon them. So true today. For all of those who do not like the free will doctrine, well, I am so sorry because the remainder of these chapters in this book of Deuteronomy will truly call to the forefront the notion of free will because God would place a blessing and a curse in front of the Israelites and he would give them the choice to choose. So let us begin right away. I am in verse 1 out of chapter 27. I will read it out loud. Moses and the elders of Israel commanded the people, keep all these commands that I give you today. Verse 2, when you have crossed the Jordan into the land the Lord your God is giving you, set up some large stones and coat them with plaster. Write on them all the words of this law when you have crossed over to enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Again, we see how Moses is telling them to write God's word okay, on large stones and plaster. That way they would have it in the forefront of their minds. We see here right away some of the ways that the scripture was written back before printing was invented. Scripture was written on stones and plaster. Okay, and um, verse 4, And when you have crossed the Jordan, set up these stones on Mount Ebal, as I command you today, and coat them with plaster. Verse 5, Build there an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones. Do not use any iron tool on them. So, we see Moses giving them instructions how when they cross over to the promised land, they should build an altar uh, for the Lord. And also, we have just been learning how they were supposed to write the law, i.e. God's word, on large stones and plaster. That way, they have it in the forefront. Verse 
6 talks about how they have to offer burnt off offerings right there on the altar. Verse 7 talks about offering sacrifices, fellowship offering in the presence of the Lord once the altar is built. And in verse 8, and you shall write very clearly all the words of this law on these stones you have set up. I have already explained that. So we come to verse 9. Actually, verses 9 all the way to the end of this chapter, which is verse 26, Moses would really recite or have the people recite curses. That way they would remember, okay? That way they would remember that if they disobey the Lord, they are the ones who would bring these curses upon themselves. So let's take a look at some of these verses. Beginning here with verse 9. Then Moses and the Levitical priest said to all Israel, Be silent, Israel, and listen. You have now become the people of the Lord your God. Verse 10. Obey the Lord your God and follow his commands and decrees that I give you today. Verse 11. On the same day, Moses commanded the people, verse 12, When you have crossed the Jordan, these tribes shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people, Simon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. This is really interesting. Well, I will get back to verse 12 in a minute. Let me just read verse 13. Verse 13, and these tribes shall stand on Mount Ebal to pronounce curses. Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Nepatali. Apparently, Bible scholars and archaeologists tell us that the Mount Gerizim was a very, very productive, fertile area, or it had fertile land are filled with green pastures and very fruitful. It's interesting how Moses would have certain tribes stand on Mount Gerizim, which was a fruitful vegetative land, to pronounce the blessing. Okay, again, really painting a picture in the minds of these people. And then Bible scholars and archaeologists also tell us that the area of Mount Ebal, where certain tribes were to stand to pronounce curses, was a very infertile, arid, unproductive area. Isn't this something that Moses would divide the tribes and have six tribes stand in an area of Mount Gerizim, which was very fertile and productive, that way, the fertility in that area would paint a picture in their minds. And then he would select six other tribes to stand in the area of Mount Ebal, which was known to be very dry, unproductive area. That way, that dryness, that barrenness in that land would also paint a picture of infertility or a picture of death to their minds. In a way, the fertile land symbolized blessings that would come from God. And the dry land 
symbolized curses that the Israelites would bring upon themselves for their disobedience. Boy, imagine how this resonated in their souls. They would not forget. But unfortunately, as we would find out, some of them did. And they suffered major consequences. Okay, we come to verse 14. The Levites shall, shall recite to all the people of Israel in a loud voice. So Moses is going to start to pronounce the curses so that the Israelites would remember that these curses would, would fall upon them if they disobey the Lord. Verse 15, cursed is anyone who makes an idol. Then all the people shall say, Amen. These causes are self-explanatory, so I am going to recommend that you can go back and reread them in details. I am going to skip some of the verses here. Also keep in mind that Moses would make them say, Amen. If you remember, Amen means so be it, or Amen means that we are in agreement with the Lord. So as Moses would recite these curses, the people would say amen, meaning they would be taking responsibility, saying that they would accept freely these curses if they do not keep their end of the bargain. Boy, <laughs> Moses was really holding them responsible for their end of the bargain. Again, the emphasis here is obedience, obedience, obedience. Okay, for the Israelites to obey God through their actions, not just through mere talking. Just like today, we have to obey God through our actions and not just saying that we love God. Because it is through our actions that we let others know that we are obeying God and that we love him. Okay, verse 16, curses anyone who dishonors their father or mother. Again, everybody said, Amen. Verse 17 talks about a curse on anyone who moves their neighbor's boundary, essentially anyone who is a thief, who is uh, carrying out deceptive uh, practices. Verse 18 is a curse against anyone who leads the blind astray. Verse 19 is a curse against anyone who withholds justice from the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. Boy, this was serious. Verse 20 is the curse. In fact, verses 20, 21, and all the way to 23 are highlighting causes pertaining to sexual immorality. You can read those verses on your own. We come to verse 24. We see the, the curse for murder. And then we come to verse 25. There's a curse to anyone who collects a bribe. My goodness. Verse 26. Curse is anyone who does not uphold the words of this law by carrying them out. Then all the people shall say, Amen. So by the Israelites saying amen to all these causes, they are uh, saying that, yes, we agree, we are aware, we acknowledge these causes, and we would keep our end of the bargain.
So that brings us to the end of chapter 27. And we go right away into chapter 28 here in the book of Deuteronomy. And what is the gist of this chapter? In chapter 28, we will learn again about further blessings and curses from the Lord. Obviously, the blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. And let us talk about the principles here. With regards to the blessings, if you are a parent or even an employer, think, think about this. You, as a parent, I'm sure you would want to bless your child or reward your child for obedience or for good work, right? I'm sure you would say, right. Even as an employer, when an employee is outstanding in his or her performance, you would want to acknowledge and bless them for that, right? Of course, I'm sure you would say, yes. This is likewise with the Lord, with us, his children. He is so willing to bless us abundantly, exceedingly, but we have to obey. And I have often said that obedience is the cardinal way that we show people and others that we love the Lord and God will always, always bless obedience. But unfortunately, just like the Israelites, disobedience today in the body of Christ in this 21st century is one of the primary reasons why so many God-loving Christians are not walking in the victory, the abundance, and the blessings that Christ Jesus has died for them to enjoy. They just don't obey God. And I'm sorry, brothers and sisters, you can love the Lord all you want, but if you do not obey him, you would restrict him from blessing you, and that hurts God. So as we approach this chapter, keep it in the forefront of your mind that God still wants to bless us today and obedience is the cardinal way to unleash the blessings of God in our lives. So going back to chapter 28 here, the blessings that the Lord would announce in this chapter to the Israelites would be in various areas of their lives. Let us take a look at some of them. God would pronounce blessing of prosperity in every area in their lives, i.e. their family life, prosperity among their flocks, vegetation, harvest, abundant living, prosperity in their souls, okay? Secondly, God would talk about blessing them, giving them victory over their enemies, Okay, and also blessing of protection, protecting them from diseases, from harm, protecting them from their enemies. And the fourth principle with regards to these blessings in this chapter was so that God would bless them. Then they, i.e. referring to the nation of Israel, would reflect God's goodness to other pagan nations. So keep those principles in mind, and that is still applicable to us today. So these blessings, I, I will skip some of these verses because they are all very self-explanatory. But let us take a closer look at the first few verses here in Deuteronomy chapter 28. I read this out loud. 
if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth. Just like what I was saying. Verse 2, all these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. I like the way Moses is saying that all these blessings will accompany you. So true even today. I often say that when we obey the Lord, when we serve the Lord, when we express our love for the Lord, his blessings will chase us effortlessly. We would not have to beg God every single minute, every day to prosper us. He will bless us because God is faithful. That is what Moses is saying here. Okay, so let's go over some of these blessings. Verse 3, you will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. So true. Verse 4, the fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock. Essentially, God would bless your vegetation. We come to verse 6. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. Boy, wouldn't you like that? <laughs> verse 7. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. Again, when we obey God, he will make our enemies to be defeated effortlessly. Verse 8, the Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. Again, when we obey God, everything we touch as Christians becomes gold. God will anoint our effort. God will bless our hard work and we will see results when we obey God. Verse 9, the Lord will establish you as his holy people as he promised you on oath. I explain that. We come down to... Verse 10, then all the peoples on earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. So true, when we are walking in God's blessings, even the unbelievers can see that. And that will attract them to the God that we serve. This is God's will for us, his children, today. Verse 11, the Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb. So true. Okay, and the prosperity here, let me translate that to modern day 21st century today, 2018. The prosperity is not for you to indulge. When God blesses us financially, great health, great children in every area of our lives, the prosperity is so we can give back to his work. It is not to indulge, okay? I know the word prosperity is very abused today, but it is God's will for us to prosper so we can put it right back into his work to further his work here on the earth. Okay. So moving right here, verse 12, the Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty to send rain. Again, the, the Lord would provide abundant harvest to them. Verse 13, this is a popular scripture, even among the unbelievers. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how sometimes the unbelievers will even quote scripture? It just goes to show you that Satan knows the Bible. He just doesn't obey, which is why I like the fact that obedience is what unleash 
God's blessings in our lives. Because anyone can claim to obey God. Anyone can quote the scripture. But that doesn't mean anything. You have to live it. You have to practice it. You have to obey it for you to say godly results. Okay? So, um, verse 13, the Lord will make you the head, not the tail. See? Even unbelievers can say this. <laughs> oh, my goodness. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Boy, isn't that so true? That is the God we serve who wants to bless us, who wants to make us the head and not the tail, who wants to bless us from the east, from the west, from the north, from the south, but we have to obey him. Okay? So, verse 14 just talks about how the Israelites should not disobey God. They should not turn aside from any of the commands that he has given them. They should not follow other gods if they want the blessings of God to chase them. We come to verse 15. In fact, uh, verses 15 all the way, boy, to the end of this chapter which is verse wow 68 will go on to outline in details the curses for disobedience and you know this is self explanatory i am not going to go over all these verses i will skip a lot of them you can go read this on your own and also because a lot of these were prophesied by the lord a lot of them came to pass Okay, in the nation of Israel, and as we get deeper into the study of the Old Testament, we will come across these, how some of these prophecies actually happened. So I am going to, first of all, before I highlight a few verses, let us talk about the principle of disobedience and curses. Because many people are confused, uh, saying that if God is a loving God, why would he allow a curse? It is not God who is allowing it. We bring it upon ourselves. But again, also God was dealing with the Old Testament people or God was dealing with sin during the Old Testament differently than he is dealing with sin today. I have talked about this over and over. So, but let us go over some of the major principles about disobedience. We all know, I'm sure all of us would agree that disobedience always, always carry consequences, okay? And it is even the law of nature, the law of the universe, that when you disobey the laws of the universe or the laws of the land, you would bring upon some major consequences upon yourself. Even a child, a three-year-old child knows this, my goodness. As an example, if the law says the speed limit is 65 and you get on the freeway and you're driving 120 miles per hour and you are spotted by a policeman, number one, you will be given a ticket if you survive it. Number two, by disobeying the law of the land, you are risking being killed in a car crash. If you were to die of a car crash, you would have brought that upon yourself because you disobeyed the laws of the land. So, there are major consequences to disobedience. We know that, right? And God is so good 
so merciful, so compassionate, that throughout the scriptures, he has listed, especially here in Deuteronomy chapter 28, he listed all of the consequences or all of the curses that will befall the Israelites if they disobeyed him. So in essence, he was pre-warning them that, hey, if you do not obey me, this, 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 this will happen to you. That way, giving them the opportunity to think before they disobey him, giving them the opportunity for them to prevent disobeying him. So this was a good thing. So while these curses or consequences may seem harsh to some of you, in my view, this was actually God's mercy because he told them in advance. He gave them a reason to avoid disobedience. And even as we get into these verses, God even made provision for repentance. God even told them that if you come back to me and you're genuinely remorseful, I will forgive and restore you back into fellowship. Isn't that awesome? So while these verses that we are about to go over may sound very, very pitiful and bad and harsh, it is God's mercy because he pre-warned them. He pre-warned them. Okay, let's take a look at some of these verses and also keep in mind that these curses, beginning here in verse 15 all the way to the end of this uh, chapter, is essentially a reverse of the blessings. <laughs> God is just. So it's just almost a mirror image reverse. Essentially, God is like, I'm not going to bless you. I will withhold my blessings. I will withhold my protection. I will withhold my provisions so you would starve. So the enemy will attack you. So a disease will come over your body. That is really what this is, okay? So let us go over a few verses with that brief introductory background. Verse 15, however... If you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I am giving you today, all these curses will come on you and overtake you. You will be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. Again, opposite from the blessing. The fruit of your womb will be cursed. Okay. You will be cursed in everything you do. Verse 20, the Lord will send on you Curses, confusion, and rebuke in everything you put your hands to. Again, just the very opposite that I had just explained. That with God's blessings, everything you touch prospers. But here, with the curse, <laughs> everything you touch will fail. Okay? Let's come down to verse 21. The Lord will plague you with diseases until he has destroyed you. Essentially, the Lord would remove his protective barrier in their lives and diseases would attack and kill them verse 22 is saying the same thing uh it will come all the way to verse 25 the lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies again he would remove his protective power over their lives and their enemies will attack them wow verse 26 your carcasses will be 
will be food for all the birds and wild animals. Again, God's provision would be withdrawn from their lives and they would experience severe famine, which actually happened. Verse 27, again, talking about God would inflict them with uh, boils and all sorts of diseases. Essentially, God would remove his protective care as their physicians. If you remember, the Lord had brought these people out of Egypt and they were in the wilderness for 40 years and God protected them against all sorts of diseases. But God is saying that if you disobey me, I will remove my protection and all these diseases will come upon you. Okay, you can read all of those verses. We come to verse 34. Your ox will be slaughtered before your eyes, but you will eat none of it. Again, God is saying that he would not prosper them in, in their famine. You come to verse 33. A people that you do not know will eat what your land and labor produce, and you will have nothing but cruel oppression. We will... This actually happened. I will discuss more of this when I get to verse 49. We come to verse uh, 35. It's still talking about how the Lord would uh, inflict them with boils. Essentially, he would remove his protection in their lives as their physicians and all sorts of diseases would attack them and they would suffer. Verse 36. The Lord would drive you and the king you set over you to a nation unknown to you. And your ancestors, again, this came to pass. I will discuss that more when I get to verse 49. Verse 38 is talking about how they will experience poor harvest. They will not reap a, a bountiful harvest. Verse, you come all the way down to, actually, verses 38 all the way to 44. It's just talking about how God uh, would not prosper their vineyards, essentially God would not prosper them as farmers. Okay, they would walk needlessly and they would not enjoy it if they disobey him. You come to verse 43. The foreigners who reside among you will rise above you higher and higher again. The reverse of what I discussed, if they walked in obedience. Remember I said that if they walked in obedience, God would cause their enemies to flee from them. Here we see the Lord saying that he would allow their enemies to consume them. They will lend to you, but you will not lend to them. They will be the head, but you will be the tail. That is verse 44. Again, God is just saying that if they do not obey him, he, they would be the tail and not the head. Essentially, they would be suppressed. Verse 45. All these causes will come on you. They will pursue you and overtake you until you are destroyed. Again, more warning of curses if they disobey him. Come to verse 46. There will be a sign there referring to all these curses that I had been going over. There will be a sign and a wonder to you and your descendants forever because you did not serve the Lord your God joyfully and gladly in the time of prosperity. Therefore, in hunger and thirst, in nakedness and dire poverty, you will serve the enemies the Lord sends against you. This is so powerful because the Lord is saying that these are the signs that when you start to experience hardship, suppression, starvation, 
from others, from other nations. Remember that this is because my hand or my blessing is no longer upon you because you disobeyed me. So God is even giving them signs to, <laughs> to know that they have disobeyed him that way they could repent. Let's come to verse uh, 49. The Lord will bring a nation against you from far away, from the ends of the earth, like an eagle swooping down, a nation whose language you will not understand. Verse 50, a fierce-looking nation without respect for the old or pity for the young. Verse 51, they will devour the young of your livestock and crops of your land until you are destroyed. They will leave you no grain, new wine, or oil. Uh, and then uh, continuing here in verse uh, 52, they will lay siege to all the cities throughout your land until the high fortified walls in which you, you trust falls down. Listen, this is a powerful prophecy which actually came to pass. It has already happened uh, because the Assyrians around 722 BC came and overtook the nation of Israel, suppressed them, took them into captivity. And then the Babylonians in 586 BC took them into captivity. And then uh, the Romans in 70 AD also did the same thing, took them into captivity. And the Lord Jesus had actually prophesied about the Romans' captivity of the nation of Israel, and it came to pass in 70 AD. Bottom line, all these prophecies happened just like God had prophesied because of disobedience. When the Lord says something, he means it. It is not his will for us to suffer needlessly. It is not his will for us to be suppressed. It is not his will for us to be the tail or to be at the bottom. But when we willingly, willfully disobey the Lord, he would lift his protection out of our lives. He would allow us to have our way. And the moment we have our way, the end result is destruction. So that is what we are learning from these verses, okay? So the rest of these verses just went on to talk about more pain and suffering that would come upon the, upon the nation of Israel if they disobeyed the Lord. You can... Read all of that on your own. Verse 53 is talking about severe famine. And uh, verse 58, if you do not carefully follow all the words of this law, which are written in this book and do not revere this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God, the Lord will send fearful plagues on you. Again, the same thing. Disaster will strike them. Verse 61, again, the same thing. Sickness will be coming upon their bodies. Verse 63, powerful. Just as it pleased the Lord to make you prosper and increase in number, so it will please him to ruin and destroy you. You will be uprooted from the land you are entering to possess. That is self-explanatory. So the Lord was telling them, just as much as it pleases me to prosper you, it will also please me to allow these curses to come upon you and you would be uprooted from the promised land if you do not obey me. And indeed it happened. 
several times. At least I have just talked about three different times that it happened or came. Verse 54, the Lord will scatter you among all nations from one end of the earth to another. This actually is an operation today. This uh, prophecy here in verse 54 has not come to pass. This will be fulfilled in the second coming of Jesus Christ when the nation of Israel or the Jews will all be gathered heading towards Jerusalem. Okay, so this prophecy is still in operation. The, the Jews are, are still scattered throughout the, the world today. All right. So um, towards the end of verse 65 there, it says, actually, let me just begin in verse 50, 65, rather, 65. Among those nations, you will find no repose, no resting place for the sole of your foot. Again, the Lord is referring to those uh, pagan nations that would uproot them out of the promised land that the Israelites would have no peace in their land, which is actually true. And we know the history how by the time that Jesus came, the Jews were so suppressed by the Romans that they actually were so looking forward to the Messiah to deliver them from the bondage of the Romans. And they misunderstood the ministry of Jesus. At least a lot of them did, especially the Pharisees. They misunderstood the ministry of Jesus, thinking that Jesus was going to physically deliver them from the uh, bondage or from the Roman bondage. But Jesus Christ came to preach the kingdom of God, Jesus Christ came to reveal the nature of God to them. But at his second coming, he would actually physically, physically overcome the world and he will set up his own kingdom and he would truly reign as king of kings and lord of lords. But we will see that final deliverance of Jesus Christ as king physically overtaking all these other nations at his second coming. But at his first coming, he came for a different purpose, to preach the kingdom of God and to offer uh, salvation to all those who would believe in him as the Messiah. Okay, so the rest of those verses just went on to uh, talk more about the suffering and pain that the Israelites would experience if they disobey the Lord. So that brings us to the end of chapter 28. So what are the major principles and applications out of these uh, two chapters? Pretty obvious, right? Pretty obvious and self-explanatory. Obedience, obedience, and obedience fosters God's blessings. You got it, right? And disobedience, disobedience, disobedience would block or prevent God's blessings. That is pretty much it. And the major application is really for us today as New Testament believers. Like I said earlier, a lot of these prophecies about the curses have already been fulfilled in the nation of Israel. But Jesus Christ has delivered us from the curse of the law. So we today as New Testament believers are not under any type of curse. This is... The blessed hope we have in Christ Jesus, we will never, never experience any kind of curse because we have been adopted into God's kingdom and we can call God our Father. We are redeemed 
from the curse of the law. We are told that in the New Testament, Galatians 3.13, and, and any kind of guilt, shame, or condemnation is not from God. We are told that in the book of Romans chapter 8, because God loves us, God is dealing with us through the eyes of Jesus Christ. We have the grace of God, we have the love of God, and God thinks highly of us because of Christ Jesus. However, when we, by our own free will, choose to vehemently disobey the Lord, if we choose to vehemently practice sin, God still loves us. God is not going to strike you dead, but you would, by your own action, allow the enemy to come into your life and cause all kinds of problems, and God would allow it because of your willful disobedience. So today, I come to you in the name of Jesus. If you are practicing any kind of sin, if you are walking in disobedience towards the things of God, I am here to say God loves you. You are breaking the heart of God. God wants you to genuinely repent. He is willing to restore you back into fellowship because he loves you unconditionally and he wants you to enjoy the blessed life that Jesus Christ died on that cross for you to enjoy in this world. So if you are walking in disobedience, practicing sin, please trust God to deliver you. God is willing to accept a heartfelt confession of sin, acknowledgement of wrongdoing, and asking God to restore you because God has made provision that if you are willing to seek for his face, if you are willing to ask him to forgive you, he is willing to do that. So I hope that you can ask God to forgive you of any wrongdoing, disobedience, and restore you back into fellowship and allow the Holy Spirit to strengthen you and enable you to live the Christ-centered life that Jesus Christ died for you to enjoy in this life and in heaven. So I hope you receive all of that in Jesus' name. Father God, we thank you for your such a good God that you just want to bless us abundantly, exceedingly, more than we can even begin to fathom. Lord, strengthen us today. Strengthen all of the listeners. I lift up every listener to your throne of grace, to your throne of mercy. Help us, Lord. Teach us through your Holy Spirit to walk in obedience. Teach us through your Holy Spirit to serve you. Teach us how to live a life worthy as your children. For we desire to please you. Just enable us through the Spirit to do this. We are committed by faith to walk in obedience and we are trusting that your Holy Spirit that indwells each of us is strengthening each of us right now. We thank you for your such a loving God for we know you love us. We know your protection is over our lives. We know your blessing is chasing us as we obey you. We give you all the glory. We magnify your holy name. We thank you. We ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, friend, and Savior. And everybody says, Amen. 
As you have been blessed, can you bless us back with a financial donation so we can produce more teachings and bless others in return? This program is solely sponsored by the financial donations from friends and listeners like you. We need your financial support in order to reach more people with Dr. Ruth's simple but profound life-changing messages. To make a one-time donation, visit our website, drruthtanyi.org. That's D-R-R-U-T-H-T-A-N-Y-I dot O-R-G. Look for the donation button and donate right there. It is a very secure, simple, and easy process. Or, for more of an impact, would you prayerfully consider becoming a Christ-centered monthly partner with us? While on our website, you will find all of the information about becoming a Christ-centered partner. As a monthly partner, your regular prayers and financial support will enable us to produce more Bible teachings in order to reach more people and transform their lives with God's Word. For those of you who prefer regular mail, you can send your donation to us. Here's the address. Dr. Ruth Tanyi Ministries, P.O. Box 1806, Loma Linda, California, 92354. You can also email us with your questions about becoming a partner. Here's the email address. Info at drruthtanyi.org. That's I-N-F-O at D-R-R-U-T-H-T-A-N-Y-I dot O-R-G. Or you can always call us at 909-383-7978. Dr. Ruth Tanya Ministries is a federal government-approved 501c corporation, which means that all your donations are 100% tax-deductible as allowed by the law. We thank you in advance for your kind donation and prayers. We pray for God's love and presence to anchor your soul today in Christ Jesus. I am Chris Oram. Stay blessed and goodbye for now.